Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you're listening to this podcast. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and now an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, 15 months into his Chicago-based stand-up career, he boldly took on a 52 by 52 challenge of touring 52 cities in 52 weeks. He had an incredible chance meeting with Chance the Rapper. He studied at the esteemed Second City Chicago. Ooh, I almost let, let something fly there. Uh, after his move from Chicago <laughs> to New York, he achieved new milestones, including finalists on True TV's Comedy Breakout Initiative, a finalist in the Make Me Laugh USA competition, and a semi-finalist in NBC's Stand Up Diversity Showcase in 2017. His debut album is coming out very, very soon. He recently moved to Austin and we were so very lucky to have him. You can see him perform in Houston, San Antonio, and next month he'll be headlining the Riot Show in Houston on April 16th. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Brendan Gay. Welcome. Hey, hey, wow. What a, what an intro. That was so great. Uh, thanks for having me. I love it. Comedy Wham. I'm going to say right off the bat for new comics coming in and people want to know shows and mics. It is the best resource. Uh, I appreciate so I thank that. You putting that on. I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a lot of gathering information, putting it on the website and like, it's really helped the scene and comics get time. And thanks for doing that. It's, it's huge yeah. for Austin comedy. So. I appreciate that. Um, and actually, yeah. just as a, a continued comment about four new comics, um, people should know that that calendar is populated by comics. So it's comics submitting their shows. So it's just part of the marketing engine for themselves. And yeah, yeah. there's a, there's definitely other sites that exist out there, do 512, that you can list your shows on. But we, you know, we take, we hope that comics as part of the promotion game of for their own shows they include us so that you know everybody who's looking at the site knows that you know we didn't invent these shows we didn't make judgments about who's on the show we just rely rely on on comics putting the shows on yeah it's great okay. it's yeah. i look at it every couple you know times a week and it's just really helpful yeah, and with the podcast episode that comes out, there's an article that's written. So that also kind of serves as a promo piece for them to have. And yeah, um, you know, you I you're coming out with an album soon, and and we actually do album reviews, so we can. Oh, we can, yeah, wow. yeah, give me a five out of five. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we're gonna turn Brendan Gay into the Austin Promotions Machine. <laughs> there we go. Cool, cool. I'm down. I'm down. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Brendan, I like to kick these off actually with an icebreaker yeah. question. Okay. If you are ready, I'm ready. Throw one it at word, me. one word to describe your past. Mm. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Uh, I will say <sighs> resiliency. That's a good, I can't even spell that. I can't believe I said that word. I can't spell it either. I just misspelled it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Chicago Now wrote a really, really great piece about you that I read this morning. That's where I got a lot of my my little facts for the for the intro. Not little facts. Yeah. My facts from the for the intro. I highly recommend that uh, anybody who wants to know more about you read that Chicago Now piece um, about you. It's I love the title. It's The Unstoppable Momentum of Brendan Gay. And I love that you chose that word because you talked about several things that happened in your life and in the comedy career, and particularly the 52 by 52 tour, where resiliency was definitely the word of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah uh 
is it, um, let's see, where do I start? Cause that piece is so thorough. Like it basically yeah. takes away everything that I would usually ask, you know, where did you, where did you grow up and how did you make your start? But we're going to do it because yeah. this is, this is the comedy wham interview. So yeah, tell, yeah. Us, <laughs> tell us where you grow up, grew so up. I, I grew up in a place called Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Uh, it was, it's, it was a very like wealthy neighborhood, you know, wealthy city. They had everything, you know, and people there, you know, generally were pretty nice, but I was like the, uh, uh, I didn't have a lot of money in a wealthy area. So mm. I always felt kind of out of place, you know, that's, that's where, when I was growing up, that was my biggest insecurity as along with race was an insecurity. I just didn't really know it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Uh, I stayed there. I went to college there in, in St. Thomas university in St. Paul. Uh, then I got my first job. My territory was Montana, Wyoming. So I lived there for a little over a year. And then I, I moved to Chicago, uh, to kind of start stand up and, uh, was there for a couple of years. Uh, wait, you know. wait, I got to stop you right there because, yeah, yeah. uh, you decided to kind of try stand up. How do you go yeah. from, is uh, you didn't ex- say what you mean by your territory. You were in medical sales. Oh. Yep. Yep. And how do you go from you've gone to college, you've lived what I and I, I presume that everybody in Minnesota, ex, unless you live in St. Paul or uh, oh, my God, why am I blanking? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> unless yeah. you live there, every town is is very small and there's a <laughs> there's a lake nearby or two or three. <laughs> how do you go from there to, yeah, I'm going to try stand up in Chicago? Yeah, that's a good. Good point. So. <laughs> kind of what we, you were saying, it was work. So I did this medical device sales job and that's all I wanted. And when I was in, you know, senior in high school and when I was all in college, I wanted to just make money. I saw, I saw what my community did. How much money they had all the opportunities. And I was like, Oh, that is what I want. You know, I just, I just want to make money. And what am I good at? I, you know, everyone said sales. So I'm like, great. What can you make the most money on in sales? Medical device sales. Hmm. So that was my focus. That was my goal. So what I did was I, I got it. I got the job I wanted. Everything that I was working towards, I got it. And imagine you get something that you want so bad and you're unhappy. <laughs> so yeah. then you start, you start thinking, what do I actually like? What do I need to do? What's going to make me happier? What's going to keep me driven? Like, and that's where I, I, I listen to podcasts, you know, of all these comedians. So like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would listen to like a Joe Rogan, a Pete Holmes, you know, uh, uh, Bill Burr, a Mark Marin. I would listen to these people's podcasts and they'd have guests on with comedians. You know, they would have Sarah Silverman on, you know, they would have a Mark Norman on and I loved it. I yeah. loved it so much. And I've ever, everyone likes comedy. I always like comedy. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try out stand up. And I tried a mic in Montana. Uh, it was huh. my first mic. And the first mic went horrible. <laughs> but the second <laughs> mic, second mic was okay. So once I did that, I was like, okay. Had but, you ever performed before then? No. Okay. I mean, I've, I've gave speeches in like classrooms, sure. you know, and like, uh, and those went horrible. <laughs> those went worse than the mic. Oh no. Uh, yeah. You know? So yeah, it was, it was basically, it was, it was really, I was miserable. I felt really bad. I got everything I wanted and I've still felt bad and it's, and I learned it's not what I really wanted. It was just, I was chasing something that I thought I wanted, which was money. And once you get something you chase, you, you thought you always wanted, you, you start thinking, okay, what do I actually like? Yeah. So yeah. In, a, in a thing, it was a great thing. Uh, but that's how I kind of started comedy. And then I literally quit my job. And then two weeks later, I'm, I'm in Chicago. Huh. And was it because you, you studied where you could, uh, focus on stand-up or was it you just had an, a, an appeal to Chicago? 
great question. So I had no clue about the comedy <laughs> scene at all. I had uh, no clue where to go, what the best thing is to do. I just had a buddy in in Chicago, like a really good friend, and he loved it. You know, he, he's, he was just so much fun. I used to visit him all the time in, in college in Chicago. I always had a good time in Chicago. Yeah. And then he said, hey, here's a website where these some like startup companies you could work at. And I re- just did a LinkedIn startup. It was a tech company and I got the job and I was like, great, I'm going to Chicago. <laughs> and I know no clue how good the stand-up scene was there. Second yeah. city being there. And like, so, wow. so you were fun. listening to all these podcasts. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, yeah, let's, let's be real. I'm not a good listener. Okay? <laughs> that should be the first, should be the first thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I just had no clue how good it was. And I was so, so lucky. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's how I decided on Chicago. Basically it was a job and one of my friends was there. Yeah. And what was your first, uh, show in, in Chicago? My first show, I, I was a mic. It was a Durkin's open mic, uh, which was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> so I was the last guy up. Huh. There's three people in the room, um, Austin LaFon, Max Friedman, um, you know, and then I'm, I'm forgetting the host, but uh, Josh Edgeness, those are the first people who saw me in Chicago at Durkin's Open Mic. It was probably like 10 o'clock. I go up there, you know, you get four minutes. I did two and a half minutes and I don't, I don't know really what happened. I know I was super nervous. Um and they after it was just they were nice they were just nice after you know even though yeah. i didn't do well they're really nice and and that's when i felt welcomed in the community and they're like hey try out this mic go to this mic and here's some other shows and they were just really kind yeah this is so it makes it so much better that's why i whenever there's a new comic coming in or or, or you know someone asks me who hasn't done it for that long i always try to be so nice and helping because it could re- it just helps with their <laughs> mental health yeah and it makes it feel so much better and like you never know like what if they what if they were super mean to me what if i was really really bad and i no one talked to me who knows if i would still be doing this right now you yeah. know and, and thankfully there were people who were really nice to me and um you know encouraged me to keep going um because this is the best thing i've i've ever done you know? yeah i'll i'll share a personal tale that uh, I lived in Chicago for 10 years myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had, I was raised in Texas, but for my job, yeah. I kept moving North and I first went to Cincinnati and Cincinnati. I, I hated it. It was just miserable for me, but then I got an opportunity to work in Chicago and I felt so at ease in Chicago, despite it being the biggest city I'd ever lived in. Uh, yeah. because it is such a transplant city and you're also in the Midwest. So mm-hmm. I think that for, for many people, it is comfortable. And you had the advantage that you are from the Midwest. So you kind of knew that talk, you knew that Midwestern uh, ethos. Yeah. Super, um, super nice, super passive aggressive. Yes. You know, yes. Like, <laughs> you know, everyone's polite, but I love the politeness and like, it's it's great yeah lightness like and then the you know i am going to shove my way into this full l no matter what <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that's inside talk for anybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, never been to chicago <laughs> <laughs> that's great um so uh how long before you got into the second city program so I did, I did like a couple classes within like the second city. It, it didn't take me long at all, less mm-hmm. than a year uh, because they had an open mic there uh-huh. um, and they had that open mic and I, it was fun. It was cool. I really liked it. So you get to learn about all the classes. You see all the pictures on the wall, yeah. Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert. You go to an improv show of these professionals yeah. and you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Uh, and then I tried an improv class. I tried an acting class and I was like, Hey, listen, stand up is for me. I like stand up. I want to rely on myself. I don't want to read lines. I want to do my own lines. So I was like, I just want to do stand up. So I did two classes at second city, mm-hmm. uh, within the program. Um, but then I started a podcast there. I did a lot of shows there. Uh, I was still involved within second city, but yeah. I was just 
the stand-up scene in Chicago, man, it is. I don't know if you're familiar, but it is so good. See, that's, that's so one underrated. The comedians are so good there. Yeah, I definitely uh, fell into the trap of thinking that Chicago was only an improv second city. And uh, uh, did you ever see, uh, I think I'm going to get the name wrong. Uh, Too much light makes the baby go blind. No, but that's good title. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. It's it's basically like very fast moving short form improv. Like in an hour, they do like 60 basically 60 plays. It's just intense and Ooh. crazy. Yeah. So that's all I knew about Chicago when I lived there. I never knew about the stand-up scene, which is mm. ridiculous and dumb that I never knew. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because, you know, here in Austin, I think Austin is a stand-up city. And that's, you yeah. know, I recognize that it is so much more than that. But I feel terrible that I missed out on the stand-up strength of Chicago. I see. I'm sure a lot of people thought that too, because Everyone tells me there, improv is Mecca. There. Yeah. Improv is the stuff. They got Second City. If right. They see the people on TV, mm-hmm. people that swing by there. Yeah. So it's like I stand up is, uh, you know, in the shadow of improv there, uh, maybe to like outsiders, you know, but the stand ups know. And if you're Chicago, they know that their scene is good. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's pretty, yeah. I have a question that I'm, I'm never going to get past because it is yeah. uh, intellectually curious to me. Mm-hmm. I know that what you, the, one of the most important things you learned about your, your medical sales job is what you didn't want to do, what you thought you wanted to do, but then you realize you didn't want to do. Yeah. Is there, is there something from that time that you use, you know, as a standup and as a performer, what skill do, do you think you did learn that translates into your stand-up? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess we'll start off the first one would be like, well, what I didn't want to do, I guess. I never want to do something uh, that makes me unhappy. Yeah. You know, I never want to go into something that I know is going to be troublesome. Um, and like you have these small things that you have to do. Okay, I got to fill out my taxes. I know I got to do that. I don't want to do that, but that's not like a big deal. That'll take me an hour, 30 minutes of my time. It's something you have to do. But as far as like, I never want to have a conversation with someone and have meetings and try to sell them a product I don't believe in and have that be my wealth of income and work for 16 hours a day and drive, you know, for four days for something I don't even want to be at. I never want to do something like that because you don't have to do that. And that's what I've learned. You don't have to do anything you really don't want to do. There's a lot. You do have a lot of autonomy and stuff, you know, in your life. And sometimes you get stuck in that where you're like, I don't have that. Like, I can't, I need to do this. I need to be able to make money. I need to be able to do this. It's, it's, you really don't have, you have a lot of more options. You don't. So I take that into my standup. I can do whatever I want with standup. You know, it's like, I could, I could say whatever joke I want to do. I could, you know, write however I want to write. I can be whoever I want to be. So I really try to move that, what I've learned in stand-up comedy or that in medical advice sales into stand-up comedy where yeah. it's like, I can do what I want I want to do. You know, I don't need to write for a TV show if I don't want, you know, want to. You know, I don't need to hang out at all these shows and, you know, try to get integrated in the scene so much if I don't want to. I like the road so much because you get so much time at these clubs, you meet so many different people, you can make that as your career. So that's what I want to do. That's kind of my thing. So I'm like, you can do it. You know, yeah. you look at, you look at all these people on TV, how do they get there? Uh, you know, they get an agent, they get a manager, they, they start submitting scripts, they do acting, you know, they, they may do improv, they, they're, they're with their podcast or they're doing TikTok, like tick, it's TikTok so big right wow. now, or they're popular on Instagram. Hey, I don't like that stuff. So I don't do that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm not yeah. like a big, I don't want to post every single day. I don't want to do TikTok every day, but I get it. If I like, as part of your career, what I'm learning is you need to be in front of the people. So I, what I, once again, just to reiterate, that's one of the things I think I, I got to start doing in order to do what I want. Yeah. So I got digital. I got to go in front of people who are, cause everyone's online. 
that's where the people are. That's where you can make money. And that's where I can pursue my career longer if I'm there. So, but I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Cause you've that's learned what a valuable learned. lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just got to do what you want. Yeah. Uh, the very shortly, 15 months into doing stand up in, in Chicago, you took on this very admirable uh, adventure of yeah. 52 cities in 52 weeks. And I, uh, I've only talked to one other comic who had kind of a similar objective and his objective was something along uh, the comic is simply Courtney here based here in Austin. And I, I'm, I hate that I'm going to do him an injustice. It was something like you wanted to do 40 shows before his uh, birthday or so, something like, ah, oh, I feel so terrible. Simply, <laughs> no, uh, simply is so positive and such a happy guy. And here yeah. I am. Uh, he had just like a 31 shows in 31 days leading up to his birthday. Let's just say it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about it because he had just finished that when, when we talked and uh, he definitely loved the experience, but he definitely recognized how exhausting it was. And that's just local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right you went national i know it's for pretty, a year i know so just imagine how <laughs> dumb i was i think that was gonna be like oh yeah it's all gonna be gravy easy like you know i came into it like that like i came into it like you know uh it's gonna be awesome a breeze yeah i'm not gonna, ha- I'm not gonna have a lot of trouble i have everything covered yeah naivete is so wonderful yeah <laughs> yeah it's like ignorance ignorance is bliss yeah so like i would have if i was where i am right now and i was thinking about doing that i would be like oh my god no way <laughs> like <laughs> i would never do that but like i'm so glad i did it because oh, i mean where do i start <laughs> i i i have met and learned the most in my lifetime in 2017 that i did any other year in my life and the amount of people that I, I talked to the amount of material that I did and that I've learned from stand-up and the comics that I've seen, it was the best education for my career by far. Hmm. So when I talk about that resiliency in the past, dude, you had to keep going. I had yeah. no other option. What am I going to do? Stay in Kansas city in my car for you know three days when it broke down and not move on no i had shows booked the next city i had i was working a nine to five during that i had to continue to go and make my flight to chicago you know i had you have to figure it out because you really have no options so it's like you had to keep going you had to be resilient and then another thing is when these things would happen when i was feeling stressed out you know when i when i didn't want to do stand-up comedy that day you know, or I didn't want to drive four hours, you know, to the next city or 16 hours to go somewhere um, when I was tired, when work wasn't going well. I learned that after I did those hard things, I was fine. <laughs> I was okay. I survived the trip and it was amazing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when I'm at my life right now, you know, and bad stuff happened, for example, COVID, <laughs> you know, out of your yeah. control. Uh I'm just like, okay, well, COVID, eventually it's going to be over. I don't know what is happening. You just got to get through it. Yeah. Oh, and I learned that. That's a valuable lesson I learned through the trip where it's like, hey, all this stuff, you know, when you're in Alabama and you bomb in front of 600 people for five minutes and then the comedians on stage does so well. And then the headliner, it makes fun of how bad your set was. and The whole audience loves it. You know, they go, you're going to get through that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You know, uh, yeah. it's one of those things where I think it's just such a valuable lesson, but yeah, being on the road and like having the resiliency. Yeah. That was the best, best trip by far for my career. Yeah. Uh, meeting people going into these clubs, seeing what's funny and really growing as a comic. I was a, I was a year and, you know, year and three months in mm-hmm. like, yeah. Like I had no clue what I was getting into. <laughs> I had one five minute tape and like oh my that, gosh. 
that year I did. I remember in November, I counted. I was like mid-November. I did already like 220 shows that year just from shows. So I'm like, I, I came out of there like just such a stronger comic after a year. Yeah. I, I'm curious about one one fine point detail about that experience that um, yeah. that Chicago Now article goes into uh-huh. you know, some of that detail of, of that that particular show. Yeah. Did you after the show and after the high headliner wrapped up his set, did you get a chance to talk to the headliner and say, man, this, uh, you know, this is how my last few days have gone. And oh. have you gone through it? You know what? I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's funny. <laughs> so, I mean, after I got off stage, the feature went on and the headliner, yeah. he was like, he was, he was, he was fine. He was just like, cause I only did five minutes uh-huh you know what i'm saying yeah uh but he was fine he was just like hey man where are you from and stuff it's like he's like yep yeah. he goes sometimes it can be tough out there and stuff and he was the only reason why he was making fun of me and i didn't know this at the time is because it was, he was it was really funny and he wasn't being hurtful you know he wasn't like trying well, that's to good like, i don't even yeah. remember the, the guys he wasn't being like it wasn't malicious intent uh-huh. you know, his intent was just trying to get a laugh from the audience laugh, and yeah. relate from them and be like it was it was obviously hilarious for everyone <laughs> you know but i it would be great i i'm sure i can figure that out if i want what date and who that you know headliner was oh yeah no but, I, uh, I was because you know there is i can't imagine any comic out there you know at a headliner level who has not had you know a really bad day that just ruins their ability to be on when yeah. they're on stage and i'm sure that headliner has yeah, you know he wouldn't be as good as he was, or wouldn't be up on that stage if everything was so easy. Yeah, you lick your wounds, and you know you're resilient, and you you yeah. learn from it. What a just what an amazing experience! But man, Brendan, yeah. that was really dumb at a year and three months. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was. It was. You were I, brave. You were so brave for, yeah. for taking that on. It's um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then you d- decided to to go from the very nice Midwestern Chicago into the, you know, the the wolf's den of, of New York City. Good description. Man, that place is just, that place just eats you down, tears you up, chews you up. No what. New York wins every time. <laughs> like, you cannot beat that place. But... Do you just like self-abuse? Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. But it's funny you mentioned that. It's like, you, in order to get better, in order to get stronger, you got to take some pain. Yeah. And it's not like, I'm never trying to be like, uh, you know, I guess it is self-inflicting, but I know you got to put yourself in situations to grow. And New York is a place where it's the best of the best. You have the best comedians in the world. Uh, it's so competitive. It's so hard where it's like, okay, I need to go there to learn to be the best of the best. I need to go there to see what these people are doing, how they act, what they're saying, you know, how to make this my career, how to get better at stand-up comedy. I need to, even though it sucks, even though it's the worst, in order to get my goal, I, I have, I have to experience it. Yeah. So that's why I did it. Yeah. It's a, and that's the self-inflicting stuff, the self-abuse where you're like, I know it's going to suck. I'm going to be broke all the time. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to get a lot of stage time and the stage time is not going to be quality stage time, you know, but the reason why I'm there is so I can see the good comics, Yeah. you know, so I can get better and learn from them and grind it out and try to move my way up the New York ladder. Yeah. In Chicago, you learned you don't want to do improv stand up is it when you move to to New York, where a lot of what uh, I think, New York comics are aspiring to is writing work. Is that, is that something you tried and then decided that's not what I would do? It is singularly stand up, or did you, did anything shift about your focus? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. So when I did the, the true TV final breakout initiative, that was at the, uh, what's some festival new york independent television festival or something like that yeah it's at this festival and so at this festival it was like a week long and i was like hey i really want to dive into writing because they would have 
SNL cast members there, all mm. these people from these big shows there who would speak on these panels and tell you exactly, here's how you need your writing packet. Here's what you need to do. Uh, here's when you need to submit, you know, everyone from HBO, you know, Comedy Central, you know, all these, all these big places where you can write as a writer and specifically comedy mm-hmm. would tell you exactly what you need. And great, great resource for anyone who likes writing, wants to be a writer. But it was a good for me because I was like, oh, I don't want to write at all. <laughs> I go, these guys work so hard for something that I'm not, I'm not really interested in. They'll have like, take for SNL. They'll, we'll be, uh, they'll be at the office for 18 hours, go to bed, wake up. All their stuff that they have, they have to compete to get it on. And they'll scrap it. They'll take things apart where it's not even their words. And then they'll have to resubmit and then something happens in the news. So I have to write about that. And then sometimes they don't like it. And then it's very stressful. And then if they don't get their stuff on and then they have to change with the actors and then people don't like it. So they have to rearrange stuff that, and then it turns out it's not even like their product. And then that's only one week. Then they got to do it over again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, to get on a TV show, you know, and to write these scripts, you got to write so many scripts to get on one, you know? And then once you get on one, it's fine. You make your moves, but you don't get to do stand up while you're writing. You don't get to do it as much. You're mm. working so much on this TV show. It could be eight weeks. It could be 16 weeks. You're just focused on that. And I didn't want my stand up to be hindered by another job. You know, it's like, and that was just for me. So when I saw that, when I was, hearing these people speak and saying like, it absolutely takes your time and it sucks. You know, it was something I wasn't willing to do because it would lessen my standup and I didn't want to do it. So that was the shift for me where I was like, Oh, I want to do stand up. Yeah. I want to really stand up really cemented. I want to do it. I'm focused on that. But let me tell you this, Valerie, I am learning now. And I've been learning during this coronavirus. If I want to do stand up. If I want to pursue this as my career and really, really make this not not only like monetarily, you know, but do this for a long time, mm-hmm. I need to build a fan base. I want to because I look at these guys who are doing it and how happy they are, how much time they're doing, where it's like, and they make money too, where it's like Andrew Schultz, you know, uh, Tim yeah. Dillon, where these guys found a platform found another avenue outside stand-up like no one knows who joe rogan is from stand-up comics do yeah. some people do he has some he has so many specials albums out but they know him from his podcast they know him from ufc they know him from outside stuff so like Marin, mark Marin, he his podcast blew up mm-hmm. and then he got to get really successful with stand-up most people know Marin from his podcast where it's like hey a lot of these stand-ups that are doing TikTok and YouTube right now and off Instagram, that's where most of the people know them. And these sketches where it's like, okay, I'm learning this. <laughs> you got to do that stuff. Yeah. You got to do the extra stuff in order for people to get to know you. And it's not the case for everyone, but it's like, it's nearly impossible just to do stand up. Yeah. Uh, as you were talking about building that fan base, one name came to mind. Uh, and that's Jasmine Ellis, who mm. I, she she left. I don't know when you arrived in Austin, but she left in the last year in the middle of the pandemic uh, yeah. to, to move from Austin to L.A. And that was one thing that always struck me about her is she is uh, very, very diligent and good about building her fan base wherever she goes. Mm. And I think that has definitely been a part of her formula for success. Good for her. And I'll tell you this. I know Jasmine. She's awesome. You know what I'm saying? She's so nice. And that's good to hear. I mean, I I just listened to her album yesterday, actually. Oh, so good. Yeah, which is really good. good. Those guys who recorded it are awesome, too. The sure thing. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Uh, So. We have her her, album review. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) So for her. uh, Yeah, I I just think it's like good for her. She gets it. You know, yeah. you got to build your fan base because she's going to be doing this for a long time and yeah. those fans are going to stay there and she's going to continue to grow it. So next thing you know, in five to 10 years, you know, she could be self-sustainable mm-hmm. with her fans where it's just like, that's what you want. You know, you don't need to be a Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, you don't need to be like this huge major TV show. 
if if Jasmine is going around these places with her fans saying what she wants to do, you know, selling out, which, you know, she wants, that's all she gets to do stand up and that's going to make her happy. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's the goal for, I think a lot of people want, but um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for, for you, the, yeah. the building that fan base, you know, imagine redoing that 52 by 52. <laughs> I know that was like your, your focus is, is doing that. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. If I were to do it again, I would do a lot of things different as far as like business-wise, strategic-wise, how to build that fan base. Every place I go to, I would collect emails, 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I would. I didn't do any merch. I have merch now. Oh my gosh. I had no clue how much money you can make with merch until like three months ago. Ah. Like it's it's pretty crazy. You go to a show, like some of these shows, like the... For example, let's say the 600 person show where I did five minutes and I were to sell t-shirts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would have sold 10 t-shirts, $20 each. I would have made an extra 200 bucks Yeah, from one show doing five minutes, something like that, where it's like, I, I would have done that. And then you use that money to put towards other projects you have, whether mm-hmm. that's doing a short film, whether that's doing a sketch, whether that's doing a podcast, you know, it, it's. I would have done that stuff differently to grow my fan base, to put more content on there that I like to collect those emails. So next time I'm back, maybe I do it a smaller venue, just me, you know, where those fans come back, where I'm doing the new material and I get 50 people at that venue. I sell it out, collect those emails. I tell them next time I'm going to come back. They follow me on social media, you know, and then uh, I continue to do these at these other cities. And I do that for years and years and be sustainable and then grow into where the venues get bigger. I'm getting more audience. You know, mm-hmm. my views are getting more in these videos. That's that's how it works. <laughs> you know, that's how people do it. And that's what I would have done. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But th- those early years are all about building up your, your abilities on the stage first. And then you figure out, oh, these are, this is how I keep growing and, and building yeah. myself. Yep. And you're so right. That's, that's exactly what it is. You, you did rack up some very impressive credentials while in New York um, between the finalist and make me laugh. And then the semi-finalist in the stand-up diversity showcase Mm -hmm. Um, from those experiences. And then the true TV experience, what, what's the, the, the thing that you learned from those experiences that uh, carries you through today Yeah, that's a good question. So I guess I would say with like credits and kind of those accolades or those accomplishments, it's very short term. So just the name itself, like, you know, Comedy Central or HBO or having Mm -hmm. true TV, um, you know, or on a successful podcast, that's that's good. Good. That'll get you in the door. That'll get you into a club that can Mm -hmm. do some good shows that gives you more opportunities. Those are always great things. So I always, for me, always reach for those for sure. Cause you're going to grow and get more stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's for me, it's, I learned those, it's just short-term happiness. It's not really my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is I, I want to do stand up and just travel everywhere and make it my career and make a living from it and do it bigger and better. So I learned that those don't hold as much value to me those don't, you know, make me satisfied. It it gets me a little bit closer to my goal, but it's not as important to me. So I learned, and I learned a lot of things that a lot of these people who do have like a a lot of these credits or accolades, um, they're just like everyone else. (laughs) You know, they're not, they're not any different, you know, like, and I know I used to, I, you put them on a pedestal because, oh my God, they've done this, they've done this, they've done that, they've done that. Um, But, you know, when you get to know these people, they're just like you and I. You know, they just happened to be at the right time, right place. They worked hard um, and and they got it. And yeah, they're just normal people. So I guess those are the two things I've learned. Yeah. I'm really struck by every time I think I'm going to ask you like a a creative or interesting question. It always comes back to, I just want to do stand up. I, I, I should, when I re-listen, I should track exactly how many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I know. like singular focus. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's very good. Oh, there's, here comes my, oh, yeah. <laughs> my co-host. <laughs> bring, yeah, 
<laughs> bring her in. That's great. <laughs> um, so you're in the, the big city of New York. Uh, why, why did you start thinking about making another move? And then ultimately, what was it about Austin that, that brought you here? Oh, I love that question so much <laughs> um, because, right, I, there's so many people who are moving here, right, and they're yeah. thinking about that, you know, so, and all the comics here are like, why are all these people coming here, you yeah. know, they're like, yeah, yeah, I can imagine, so the reason why I went out of New York, it was during the pandemic, it's because New York wasn't New York, yeah, New York was, as people say it, dead, wasn't people going out. You know, the, the, everyone in the city was paranoid. You couldn't, you couldn't do stand-up comedy. <laughs> that was the the main one reason. thing you keep saying you exactly. want to do, you cannot do. And it's scary, right? Yeah. It's scary because New York is supposed to be the best. It's supposed to be where everyone wants to be. It's where dreams are. You don't want to leave New York. Mm-hmm. There's so many people, and this is just my opinion, there's so many people in New York City who are struggling and it's so hard to be there and they're not, their lives are, you know, in a sense, miserable or they're unhappy, but they don't want to leave because if they leave, they feel like they're a failure. Hmm. They feel like they have given up. They feel yeah. like they're not closer to their goals. They feel like they're leaving the spot where everyone's supposed to be, to be famous, to make money, to be good. Uh, and I left because the thing that I wanted, I couldn't do. So I go, and I'm like any person. And it was, it's scary. It's always scary. Okay. If I can't do the thing that I came here from for, I need to find where I can do that thing. You know? So I was like, where can I do that thing the most that I like? What's the best situation for me? All right. Am I going to go to Arizona? Probably not. You know, I'm not going to go to Phoenix right now. I don't know a lot of people in Phoenix. It's a good scene. They have clubs open. Am I going to go to Florida? Hell no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not going there. Uh, I, I don't want to go there. I don't like the people there. I mean, I know some people there that are great, obviously. Uh, yeah. But I just, I don't think I'd like the culture. Austin, Texas. Whenever I was there, I loved it. It was cool. I know some people there. Like, I, I have a buddy, a couple buddies there. You know, I found a spot there right away. I was like, oh, this is either stand-up scene. It's still going. Uh, uh, people were moving there, other bigger comics. I was like, this is clearly the place I should go where stand-up is. So one of my buddies had a spot open there in his place because he just got married. So he moved in with his, his, uh, fiance uh-huh. and that spot was open. I was like, there's no comedy here. There's comedy over there. Let's go. Yeah. So I, I moved and it was the best decision because I don't, you know, during, this pandemic remember you couldn't do a lot of stand-up in the beginning i'm sure and you're mm-hmm. just like it's kind of sad and everyone was sad and just imagine being in new york where it was the epicenter of coronavirus and every you were trapped in your small apartment and they would have curfews and no one knew what was going on and then you go somewhere else where it's warmer weather where people are nicer where you have more room where it's not as expensive and you can do stand-up comedy i'm like this is so much better. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I moved because I, right, I couldn't do the thing that I wanted to do in New York. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome. Yeah. You- <laughs> yeah. <Thanks. laughs> I like to say welcome to the Wild West because, yeah. you know, starting in, uh, I guess, September, October, I, uh, you know, we, because we've been running the, the Comedy Wham events calendar for yeah. Austin for over a year at that point. Mm-hmm. Or for a year at that point, um, you know, we were seeing the the high higher and higher activity of, of shows going on, yeah. and uh, at the same time, we were doing our online show, and we we had a lot of people who were like, "Yeah, we're we're not ready for for in person," but you know, yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm not. I don't know if I'm fully on the free market economy bandwagon, but that was what I yeah. was seeing is. Texas is more lax about COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. New York is clearly far more conservative and cautious about them. And because of the reputation of Texas, uh, you had uh, you had p- 
people who were far more willing to take chances, but they, you know, they, they did put on safe shows. There were some that were safer than others. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like people taking advantage of an opportunity and not, not to say that that's a bad thing because that's what you yeah. want in a free market is you want, if there's a, yeah. if there's a demand, then you, there are people that will come in to try to meet that demand. And clearly there are some players uh, who started doing shows in that, in that earlier time who yeah. are now having like thriving uh, comedy producing jobs and, and yeah. work, you know, a, a Marty yeah. Clark or Brandon Lowen are doing lots of things. And then you have still the, the community of people that were far more cautious, they've, you know, they've waited that time out. And now that Texas has just been like, pew, pew, you know, normal masks, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, right. Yeah. For good or, or bad. Now, some of the people who had been playing more cautiously, now they're coming back with their shows. So it's like, there was that initial boom. Yeah. And now you're, I'm seeing just because of what I see on the calendar. Now I'm seeing like a second boom. So you're about to get way busier, but you're yeah. going on the road a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I never even thought about like that, the second boom, but you, you're so right where it's like, you know, yeah. Example, Marty Clark. So if you guys don't know, Marty Clark is in the scene. So he came, he's been in Austin, I think for two years now or a year and a half now, oh, something yeah. like that, but he came from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. He moved over here and then the pandemic happened. So he got ingrained in the culture. He was just learning more about Austin and then things were starting to open up back here, but the comedy scene wasn't as far as, you know, people were, but he's like, Hey, I want to still produce shows. And he put, he did so many shows he worked his ass off and just kept producing. And then he's, you know, and then when I moved here, he's like, Hey man, let's, let's keep doing this. Let's produce more. I, he had other goals and visions and, you know, he just kind of kept, kept going and, you know, super, he's a super nice guy and super good guy. And then let's fast forward to a couple months. Cause it's weird during the pandemic. It, don't get me wrong. It was slow. A lot of things were moving slow, but yeah. when you, when, what he did, he took advantage of an opportunity and he was pushing things forward. And when yeah. everything else is slow and someone else is pushing forward, they're going to move a lot faster. Right. Because everything else is slow, you know? So eventually with this guy is, he is a co-owner of a comedy club that moved over from New York. And right. basically he was the catalyst to start that the thousands of steps that he did, the amount of work he had to do, you know, during all of this, while a lot of people that were producing shows before, apparently, you know, they were doing it because they're, they're being more safe. They're being more, uh, I don't want to say be more safe, but they chose to like, Hey, let's, we're going to wait this out. Let's just wait till, you know, the vaccinations come and let's wait till, you know, they feel comfortable coming back. Right. You know, when things are stagnant on one end and other people are moving, the people are moving are just going to eventually go up to the top, you know, and that's what happened. And it's this is happening in every single scene in a comedy scene in America. Yeah. It's like there's people who still do comedy during the pandemic, you know, especially in the south. In the north, it's a little bit different. And there's people who didn't. And it was stand up comedy, man. The more you go out, the more you do shit, the better you're going to be, the more opportunities you're going to get. And that's just how it is. But now these other people are coming back. There's just more opportunities for someone like me. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. I, I get want, to do stand up. Yeah. I guess you just, you know, it's like, I want everyone to win the old, yeah. the new everyone. And this always happens, man. It's like, it's just a territorial thing where it's like, you know, Hey, this is mine. This is me. And it's like, hopefully we can create a culture in the scene. You know, the people that are in it where it's like, let's all win. Yeah. Let's all be better. Let's all get time. Let's all lift this up. Cause there are people don't realize there's so many opportunities out there for standups. You yeah. know, if you, if you want to do other stuff, everyone can get a piece of the pie. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's just, it, we, it can definitely happen, especially in Austin, Texas. Let's grow it together. And, uh, let's not, and let's not forget that there wouldn't be these shows if there was not an audience. Exactly. Yes. And, and those audiences uh, through this, what I, what I'm calling the second wave where mm -hmm. the, the comics who, who were more cautious 
and holding back who are now putting on their shows, you know, those yeah. audiences are going to be, you know, treated to, you know, the talent that they were, they were enjoying before the pandemic and, yeah. you know, sprinkled in with the, the talent that has come in or talent that, you know, has, has built up through the, those people who were like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be more on the adventurous side and, and, and I, yeah. opportunistic side, and I'm going to do open mics, you know, starting yeah, yeah. October and I'm going to work. Yeah. Uh, and then those people that, you know, as with it, this isn't a, a pre uh, or post pandemic issue. The, the cream will rise to the top. The talented comedians will yeah. rise to the top. And those that, yeah. that don't will, will not, that's, that's yeah. not a pre or post pandemic thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point where it's like, yeah, we've, yeah. And I've done it too, where we use the pandemic as like a excuse, you know, like, oh, this happened or this, but yeah, you're right. It's just like, yeah. Hey man, what's going to happen in a year from now? Yeah. The coronavirus was around a year, a year and a half, right. Or yeah. it's going to be a year and a half. And yeah. What's going to happen in a year from now? are people still going to be talking about the pandemic, you yeah. know, saying this is going to be a thing? No, it's yeah. going to be like, this show is great. Oh, do you see this at South by Southwest? Yeah. Oh my God. Like this, you see, you came into Moon town. Tower. This weekend. Yeah. yeah. Moon tower. Yeah. That's going to be like, yeah, it's just only temporary. And, and it, it won't be an old and new thing anymore. Just right. Like right. Right. And, and I think, I, I don't know if, if, uh, you're touching on it, but I feel like I'm kind of uh, touching on it uh, ambiguously as, you know, this past week we're recording on, I don't even, I can't even keep my day straight. We're, we're recording oh, yeah. uh, on the 28th of March and this KVU article just came out and it just like blew up in the comedy scene where you kind of saw this rift of, yeah. you know, pre-COVID times versus post-COVID times. And it was interesting. A, yeah. I, I'll, I'll stated on the record it was a very poorly done article uh <laughs> story that just completely uh disregarded the the strength of the scene before covid gotcha. and um you know hopefully it, it writes its wrongs and and yeah. does a, a better job of correcting itself but it, what it did unfortunately is it it it, it made the the comics that were strong before covid feel like they weren't seen and that's a horrible feeling um yeah um it's weird because like i'm like ugh, i'm an outsider I yeah austin texas so it's like you know i i try i always try to just stay away from that stuff yeah I, honestly like one thing i like i like this i like talking to you <laughs> i like talking <laughs> seriously i like talking to i like doing like stand up i like going <laughs> i i try not to get in the the weeds of yeah and it's like you see the facebook post you know i didn't read the article i don't know what it's about but yeah i know there's people upset and they're mad but i know this hopefully in a month or two no one's talking about this right. <laughs> you know and it's like that's what all i know so i don't know what happened or what's going on but like yeah i do know there's when i was here there's so many good comics here yeah comics around the country they know there's there's a ton of good talent here and like They've been good for a long time. I mean, yeah. who did I see? I saw this guy, uh, Mac Blake. Do you know oh, Mac? Blake? Absolutely. Oh my God! Absolutely. I saw this. I saw this guy perform at the Buzzmill. I never laughed so hard in my life. He did this. He's bit one about, of my favorites. The I was shack. like, I yeah, yes, he did yes. He did some. He did something where he was talking to the crowd and stuff, and it was like crowd work with bit. I was like, this guy could be funny anywhere. He's like, amazing. So He's... amazing. And I was like, I, that's what I'm excited to see. You know, those people come yeah. back up. Guys like uh, Mac Blake. Yeah, Mac Blake. Chris like Cubis. Those, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to see, because that's, I've, I think everyone wants those guys. You yeah, know, or yeah. Those people where it's like, they're just, I saw this girl, Clara Blackstone. Oh, uh, yes. Love Clara. Oh my God, she had such good jokes and good misdirection, and like mm -hmm. I've I haven't seen you know seen her, but I got a chance to see her, so I'm excited for like, you know that. Yeah. So it's, but that there's talent here, hundred percent, and it's probably been here way you know for years. Yes. Uh, I know <laughs> <It has>. that. <laughs> yeah, I tried it. The KV article, it's just a whatever. It's a news 
I bet the news is probably like, there's a lot of buzz around this. Oh yeah. They're probably that's like true. people They're are sure. talking about it. Yeah. I bet that like, Oh, this is great. You know, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Scene, yeah. It's interesting. I'll have to read it after this and see what it's Yeah. Uh, I think it was a video article too. So you could just oh, okay. spend five minutes less watching the video. Watching it. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we're going to start winding down, but there are some okay. things that, that I know you want to talk about. Um, and that I know are coming up for you. One is your debut album is going to be coming out very, very soon. Yeah. And uh, do you want to tell us about how that, that came about and why yeah. you decided to give that a shot? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's going to be coming around around May. Okay. So I'm excited for it. It's a 30 minute album. And the reason why I did it, I'm five years in now. And I think an hour long, I can do an hour. It's uh-huh. not going to be, it's not going to be the best hour you see mm. like on a Netflix, these comics doing it for 15 years, 10 years, using all their material and putting it on there. I wanted to get 30 minutes out for a couple of reasons, but I think a main reason is I think it's always best uh, your creative mind to do new stuff. So mm. I was doing this old stuff that has been working and it was becoming mundane on stage. So it's like, okay, I got to switch it up. I got to try new stuff or I can do it put it as an album, put it as a taping, completely get rid of it, and then start the creative process of new stuff. I love that stuff. I love trying out new stuff. I love mixing it around and putting it in there and creating and creating and creating. That's what keeps me fresh. That's what keeps me kind of happy and cool, you know? It's like, I would hate to be doing taxes, you know, an accountant (laughs) being taxes 365 days a year, every single year. Oh, Uh that sucks mix it up, you know, do some turbo tax, you know, <laughs> do some, something else like with finance accounting, like I got to mix it up. So for this taping, this album that, that's coming out, this is the material that I I've been doing for, you know, four years, uh-huh. it's 30 minutes and then it's gone. So it's like, it's a showcase of like, all right, here's me for four years. And it's a debut album. And I, I'm gonna, I really like it. It's going to be great. And like, I, I really hope people enjoy it the way that I did and others people have. And, um, I'm just excited for it to be out. So, yeah. So I'm yeah. curious since you are on that, uh, path of this album officially retires these jokes. Yep. Is there uh, a particular joke that you're kind of misty eyed and sad about saying farewell to? Oh yeah. 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 There are. Yeah, there are some <laughs> that I want to, and there's one in particular that I like, and it's what I what I'm going to be closing on an album is it's this Alabama joke. Uh, I love it so much. Yeah. And it's like, I've always loved it. It's a longer bit. I think it's a great piece and I'm proud of it, you know, yeah. and, and I like saying it on stage and I'm going to miss it. I obviously, yeah. you know, and it's, here's the thing, like doing these places where I have to do an hour, I ha- I'm going to have to put that in there just for as time's sake, you know, I'll yeah. most likely put it in there, but now in the next four months, you know, it's probably not, it's going to be out. Yeah. I'm not going to be saying anymore, you know, which is, it's going to be fine. I'll probably be sick of it again, but I'll pro- <laughs> my goal is to forget about it. Yeah. If I forget about a bit, you know, that I have on this first album. Uh, it'll probably take me a couple of years to just not even remember it. Mm-hmm. That then I'll be really happy. So, and then I'll be excited about a new bit, but I would say that bit I'm, I'm, it'll be sad to see it go. <laughs> And then if you look back to the very first time you were on stage to how you, you write for yourself, uh, what, what is the biggest change that you've, you've seen? It's good. That's really good question. Uh, Personalization. Hmm. So everything right now, it's just, it's, it's about me and it's about something that happened in my life and how I think about it. Uh, I when in the beginning, you used to just write slapstick jokes. I did at least, you know, it wasn't uh-huh. about my perspective. It was about echo chambering what I heard in the world that I thought was funny, you know, like movie quotes, you know, people do movie quotes. They're yeah. funny. They're great. But I don't know. I liked I, when I say something more authentic towards me and more personal that resonates. Not only do I like saying it more, but that resonates with the audience more. Yeah. So that's, I say my biggest writing style is I just made stuff more personal and more about me, you know, and, but what I think that I did in my actions and my stories yeah, you know, in my stamp. And it's definitely helped obviously. And uh, that would see the biggest difference I'd say in writing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I, for my, for myself, I, 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 um, I do stand up and I have always, it's interesting that I have found that when I write something that is based on experience that I've had, Mm -hmm. I have more fun with it. I know it the best. So it's easier to, to bring that on, on stage versus when I've tried to, to write one liners or make up stories I'm, I'm not a very good, um, bluffer. So I, <laughs> you know, I can't say, Oh, this happened to me today at the grocery store. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just can't, you know, I, I can't pull that off. I don't have, I don't have that inner conviction to be able to, to, to do that. That's cool. So, the great thing about stand-up is like, you learn that from mm-hmm. doing stand-up where it's like, Hey, I just need to talk about my stories that actually, yeah. just pretty yeah. cool. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, is there anything we haven't talked about that you <laughs> would like to cover other than you really just wanted to stand up? We, we got that <laughs> message loud and clear today. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's so funny. Um, no, I mean, I'm just, I, I you know, I just want to thank you. It's de- definitely, it, and I know I stated this in the beginning, but like websites and people who support the scene, like Comedy Wham has done, mm-hmm. has helped so many comics knowing where to oh. go and do stage time knowing where to do shows having people like i this is i always direct it comedy wham every oh. comic who's coming into town you know like i know like matthew you know he said what should i go i comedy wham stuff and you know sent to be your name and stuff and it's like that type of stuff i think it's so beneficial for the scene so like i just really hope you keep growing it and keep pushing it because it helps comics get stage time it helps people know where the shows are and it's just it's such a valuable resource and I know you put so much time into it and you don't need to, you know what I'm saying? And you do it just because you want to help. And it's, I yeah. just, that's what I, if, if anyone got anything from this podcast listening, just know just comedy wham puts in work and it's really helpful. It's, this is just a big yeah. plug for comedy wham. And yeah, I didn't yeah, even this pay is you. A, I didn't even yeah, pay yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, I have to tell you that one of the cool things that has developed over the last few months is uh, we talked to, uh, we're actually this afternoon, we're going to publish Brian uh, Gendron's uh, episode. And oh, nice. okay. he is the reason that we ha- now have an, a Houston events calendar. And that's where I saw that you're going to be headlining the riot, yeah. which is his show in Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Month. So I'm uh, pumped for that. That room looks really cool. They- I've heard great. Yeah. Chris Telez just did it and mm-hmm. he said it was sold out and it was really nice. And I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, yeah. So before then I'm doing the Creek in the cave. on um, And I think Nate Bergazzi is headlining the, uh, the weekend on that weekend, Friday and Saturday. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm starting to see right. some of the names uh, pop out. Uh, yeah. I obviously Eddie Pepitone. Uh, yeah. Who's, and, do you know who's doing the first weekend? That I saw first? something. And I'm sure by the time I release this episode, it'll be public. I'm pretty sure it's Ali Sadiq. Oh, is it? Yeah. I've never seen him live. Oh, yeah. He was here for Moon Tower a few years ago. And he was like one of my, okay, I got to see him. And he was just amazing. Yeah. So that's, (sighs) that's big. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Brendan. Yeah. I have a closing question. If you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. One word <laughs> to describe your future. Wow. These are great. These are great. Um, one word to describe my future. Resilience. No, uh, <laughs> I would say um, thankful. Thankful. Does that, does that sound pretentious? I don't know. No, but I, no, I just, no. I just, if, if I do have a future, I'm just thankful. Yeah. <laughs> That's, wow, <okay>. Thankful. <laughs> Hopefully people don't uh, read that. I guess like, what do you mean? What is he thanking? He's thanking <laughs> himself, his future. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was half wondering if you were going to say stand up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's great. Yeah. oh well this has been great uh, let's uh let's do a quick wrap up and i'll give you a chance to promote everything in just a moment that is a wrap on comedy wham presents brendan gay 
uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know about, uh, give us a, another recap of your upcoming shows and projects. Yeah, that's great. So if you want to follow me, best way to do it is Instagram. It's just uh, at Brendan Gay, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-G-A-Y. Um, you can see me, you know, if you follow the Instagram, you'll know the shows that I'm doing. Um, once again, I'm, I'm going to be at Creek in the Cave headlining on Thursday, April 15th. And then on April 16th, I'll be in Houston at the Riot Show. Uh, yeah, you follow me on there. I have a YouTube as well. Um, but I think that's the best way to reach me and um, come to a show. Yeah, buy his merch and my uh, merch. become part of his, his growing fan base. There you uh, go. I, I was lucky enough to book you for the Comedy Wham Showcase. I was so fortunate because yeah. I kind of done a little bit of homework on on your your uh, background and i'm like oh wow we're getting him to our show this oh is amazing God. and you were and so then, much fun then you saw me perform you're like Ugh. no not at all <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we hope you've enjoyed learning about how brendan gay got to be the comedic genius and very very focused stand-up comic that you heard today just as much as i have this has been comedy way and presents brendan gay i'm valerie and that's been funny Thank you, Brendan. Thank you so much, Valerie. Take care.